welcome, welcome to the Scurry and the Scrub podcast. I'm Matt DeMarinas. He's Jordan Scurry. Uh, back at you to put a little bow on the men's basketball season. And later on in the show, we'll have, hopefully have uh, a special guest, Chevelle Sansasi, to join us and um, get into the weeds a little bit on Creighton's Sweet 16 run on the women's side. Uh, they're headed to Greensboro to take on the Iowa State Cyclones, another offensive shootout. So the NCAA did a good job of kind of pairing the Jays with some like-minded teams. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. But for now, Jordan and I are going to try to wrap up what was a pretty interesting season for the men's side of things. Uh, I don't think I don't think if I think even in an optimist world, Jordan. Uh, it it wouldn't have surprised us that it ended the way it did, just how it went along with injuries and things like that, that it ended that way anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We, you were a pretty, in a pretty emotional state after the San Diego State wins. So we had to give you a minute. Uh, yeah. How are, you, how are you feeling now as, the, as you've had some time to process your uh, – your emotions and your thoughts about the season. Man, I'm, I'm more than excited because like this year you, and you said it before when we started this whole thing, man, like this year, it's, I feel like more of a fan. Like obviously last year I had a lot of the guys still on the team as we were covering and following, you know, after every game. And then this year, just like being like a genuine fan of these guys and being a genuine fan of this team was thrilling. And for it to end the way it did for them to like, you know, fight through all the adversity they had and to still have like the outcome, like you were saying, like, I, yeah, I, I could have definitely predicted them playing Kansas at the tournament at the beginning of the year, but didn't know it was going to still be the case after everything they went through. So yeah, man, I'm inspired. Like they, it, it was really fun to follow them. Like all this year, this team was like everything that happened. It, they were so fun to watch a lot of positive attitudes and yeah, I'm just, I'm happy that they had the season they had even going through everything. Yeah, so they finished the year 23 and 12. Uh, several marquee wins within that and some encouraging performances along the way, too. I mean, you factor in, like, you know, the way they played against Kansas and Villanova in the Big East Championship game and in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, you look at the way Ryan Kalkbrenner played all season before getting hurt against San Diego State. You look at the way Ryan Nemhart was starting to play before he got hurt against St. John's. You look at what Trey Alexander did, you know, in in uh, small sample sizes in lead up to Nemhard's injury, specifically, you know, most recently while with Nemhard, the DePaul comeback where he had to play some uh, major point guard minutes against a team that was, you know, applying some pretty sturdy pressure defense. Um, and then just what he did picking up the slack when Nemhard went down. I mean, just – it, it, you know, especially after that first game against Providence where they really didn't look smooth offensively. They looked pretty disjointed. They looked didn't look like themselves, and it turned out, well, they weren't really going to be themselves anymore. They were going to kind of be more uh, walk the ball up, take their time, look for the best shot they can get, and, you know, crash the offensive glass, like create second-chance opportunities, just manufacture points however they can, and, you know, Trey did a great job doing that. And then, you know, you go to your senior class with Brian Hawkins and Alex O'Connell and the way they played. And, and then Keyshawn Fizel with the big plays down the stretch against San Diego State after, after 
uh, Carpenter went down. Like, there's just so much to, there's just so much positive to evaluate. I'm not sure uh, that they've had a season like this uh, and like this, where you've had a lot of positive um, things to look at when it ends in the second round. Normally, normally when Creighton season ends, ends in the second round, the, the fan perspective is like, I don't know, you know, they fell short again, yada, yada. But I don't know, like for some reason, crossing that Sweet 16 barrier took some pressure off and then bringing a young team in to follow that up. It kind of just let them play loose and let it rip. And they ended up making <laughs> a lot out of it. Like they weren't, I mean, they weren't that far away from getting back there. Like when you look at the way that Kansas game went down, you know, if they, the officials like give them those and ones that they should have got for those calls on the floor. Like, and then, you know, if, if Trey and, uh, and Alex are like, just a little bit more in tune on that last play. Like who knows what happens there on that possession where they had a chance to take the lead down the stretch. Like it could have been interesting if Creighton had actually managed to find themselves back in the sweet 16 in a year where I don't think even the most wildly optimistic person would have projected to do so. It's just crazy how it all transpired. And it's just insane. Yeah. The yeah. thing with this team has been for me, like, cause if you think back even to this, the championship, the uh, biggest championship against Nova, like when they lose, when they've lost in those close games, like, I'm not really upset about it because the game could have gone either way. Like I felt that way about the Kansas game too. a couple more shots go down here and there, different calls here and there had a chance to win that game. And I think it's just because this team never feels sorry for themselves. And I thought about this a lot today uh, because listening to some of the guys, you know, after I really like to listen to some of the guys just after just kind of talk about their experience and like what playing on that stage meant. Cause I remember how I felt there, but this team never felt sorry for themselves. And I even like with everything that they went through, and I think the reason I, I was thinking about that is just obviously my years with Maurice going down my freshman year, making it to the NCAA tournament, and even like going the next year when uh, or when uh, Martin goes down in a couple of years. Sorry, but this team yeah. never like because we we were kind of built like those teams when I was there were built behind like the Maurices and the Martins. So when they left, it was like a huge significant blow. Not saying that Ryan's not a huge part, but since it was his first year and it wasn't like kind of. He wasn't given the keys yet. Right. He like they they no one told this team they weren't supposed to go to the Sweet 16 after. like they did not know. None of those guys felt like when Ryan went down, like oh, chance of the Sweet 16 is gone. You could tell that they clearly never had that like, oh, this is going to be a bad. This is going to like really hinder our NCAA tournament experience or anything like that. Guys just stepped up. Trey stepped up. Roddy stepped up. And you could tell all the guys like whether it was Alex or Ryan giving everyone their credit like. They were really connected, and I thought that was really special about them. Yeah, when you look at, like, it is interesting how they pulled together. I, I think it's uh, it's not easy to do, and I'm not even sure that if they could do it over again, that it would go the same way. That's the crazy part of it. It's like you kind of just have to make the most of the moment and just live with the results. And they won a lot of close games, you know, Um so, you know, if you if you played it all back and had them go through the exact same circumstances, it might turn out different. Like, if one result goes a different way, it might maybe it shoots their confidence in a different direction. But they just – I don't know. It's just strange how they just kept the same attitude about it the whole time. I don't, and especially yeah. for a team that wasn't they, – they have no reason to be connected like that because they don't know each other. That's the crazy part of it. And I think that's something interesting to look forward to with 
roster building in the future because they, you know, Max philosophy, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the one-time transfer legislation being passed was to still kind of build through a young core, you know, still, um, you know, recruit at the high school level, the guys that you want to build your program around and then, and then still use transfers to fill the gaps. Like that's kind of what the philosophy has been since they got to the big East was use the transfer, you know, it's always, hasn't been always called the portal, but, you know, use the transfer portal to fill the gaps, you know, in a position you're missing or just a need you have from a skill set standpoint and, you know, still continue to develop young freshmen into, you know, super sophomores, breakout juniors, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be interesting because this roster was put together kind of like, you know, on the fly, like Nemhard, Kaluma, um, Christophilus, uh, I think those are the three that Trey Alexander. No, the four of them, four of the, uh, other than Mason Miller, I'm not sure the four of the five freshmen, I think four of them were like really quickly recruited. Like I think Mason Miller is the only one who has like a, had like a built-in relationship over maybe more than a year with the staff prior to his commitment. And, you know, I just think that's really interesting the way they put that roster together and the way it came together with each other because that's hard to do in theory but it is kind of interesting to see how they put it together that quickly mm-hmm. and how the guys bonded and how they played for each other down the stretch as they continue to you know take on water and in, in, if I could use that metaphor with injuries and whatnot so yeah it's gonna be really curious to see how they continue to build this team because they do have some gaps to fill some pretty big gaps to fill for next year's team to be pretty successful as well. Yeah, but and when I think because when I think of it, no team I was ever on clicked as fast as this team did. Like I obviously walked into a number like I came in as a freshman to a preseason like top twenty five team in the country, obviously, and that team's already together. But no team I was ever on clicked the way this team clicked with such young guys, first year guys, like so many that they they were really they had a different and a special connection this year, and I think that's just what we saw. That was the product of how they were able to fight over all the injuries, all the adversity. And I thought you brought up a really good point talking about that live in the moment, right? Like I think the most successful teams I was on were the teams that like, it was head down blinders on mentality where it was like, you don't worry about anything going on until after like the year, like, don't worry, don't block out all the outside noise. Don't worry about anything. And this team embodied that. Like they never were like, Oh, good for us. We beat Nova by X amount at the beginning of the year. Oh, we beat so-and-so on the road. We won these. I don't think they were ever caught up in that. I don't think, they have guys like on this team whether it's alex ryan whatever their aspirations are to play after i think that that'll pay dividends like those guys really bought in and i think it's going to play you know a hand in all how everyone from this team's future goes because they showed like that they when they lock in like that and that they they were able to connect and that's what we saw like for the whole rest of the year yeah well especially with the young guys that you know just that do have uh that can come back next year when you think about like arthur kluma trey alexander ryan Nemhard guys that played a lot of minutes together that can come back, Ryan Kalkmenner. Um, that's like a good enough core to springboard off of. You can use, you know, the belief you guys built with each other to, you know, get you through the, the developmental stages of bringing a new roster together, whatever pieces you add to it. So as long as 
those new pieces buy into what's currently been set as the standard, I mean, they can kind of hit the ground running next year, really, um, if everybody's healthy. So it's going to be interesting. Honestly, like the way Arthur Kaluma ended the season, like, I mean, it feels like a sophomore breakout is like on the brink of happening here. Um, and I know like his, the performances weren't, uh, consistent right so like the it's still a little bit of a small sample size in terms of especially in terms of the you know the, the efficiency of it but I mean when you see him in the gym now compared to when you saw him in the gym in like October November like you can already see you can already see the Jeremy Anderson effect his body looks way different I don't know I think he was really strong athletic dude but there was it was like there was still that high school baby fat that you guys bring in the gym like it doesn't look defined you know what i'm talking about right and like oh yeah oh yeah as the end of the as he got towards the end of the year i like just started noticing like he looks like he's been like you know getting some work getting some work in so all that gym rat stuff you can see is starting to translate because he looks kind of like a grown man all of a sudden and i'm not really sure at what point in the year it happened but it just feels like one day he showed up and he just looked like a different dude and i think his play started to translate you know, you just see him. He's a little bit more under control with his athletic aggression. Um, he's more confident in his jump shot. And I don't know, man. He, there was there were times where, you know, Kansas has, like, a legitimate player of the year candidate on their roster. And at times in that Kansas game, for a big portion of it, he looked like the best player on the floor. For him to do that as a freshman, like, in his first NCAA tournament, that's a little bit scary to think about what his potential truly is, you know? So, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think about Arthur, like, and the way he entered his freshman year? I try to tell everybody, be patient. That's why I said it at the beginning of the year. Like, he's going to go through – he was going – he was – always going to go through the regular freshman like ups and downs that you go through but obviously his ceiling is incredible like he he made plays obviously in the tournament that were like oh those are pro moves like th- this is why you like he showed in the tournament why we have the hopes of like him being a pro because it's like oh he shows the flashes and i think that's just the progression he's going to show more and more flashes so yeah i'm excited for what next year will you know be for him when you uh I mean, can he use the end of this freshman year as a springboard or is it kind of coming at the wrong time where it's like he played really well and it's a reset? Like, Oh, no, absolutely. This is the best time because think about it. Now, now all he's focusing on what could I have done better in the tournament? And he's got the tournament buzz going around now too. And so he's going to be locked in to be like, okay, next year when I get back there, I got to be – an even better player so I can go to the sweet 16 and make noise there. Like that's the progression in it. Right. Like I, at least I think that's what we had always thought and that's what he should be thinking. So yeah, I'm excited to see, like, I can, I definitely think he can use this as a springboard to answer your question. Cause I'm excited to see like your, you're even saying about his body, like that year, that freshman to sophomore year is the transition. Like now he understands what he has to get prepared for. He understands what a biggie schedule is. He understands like when his knees need to be okay, like on which road trip, like how it's going to be. And so like having that, it just that 
in itself is a huge help. Like he has just an idea of how the season's going to progress. So yeah, man, I'm excited to see his growth. I've always been just happy. Like his growth this year was incredible to watch. I can't imagine what it's going to be in a year. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it does seem kind of crazy to think how good he got down the stretch. Cause I think the one thing that kind of is interesting is most guys at this stage of their career don't usually play in super high level games at this part of the season. Normally like the, the, well, at least at Creighton, it's like usually those guys will get to the NIT and then they'll have like a little bit of a breakout in the NIT and they'll use that as a springboard for a breakout sophomore year. And then like those Creighton teams later in their careers will be, you know, really uh, strong NCAA tournament teams, teams that you think can make a run. But, you know, for him, for, for him and Trey to both do that as freshmen and then win a game in the tournament and get that taste and then take a one seed to the wire in the second round. Um, you know, it just feels like it feels like they have an opportunity if the summer goes well, if they're healthy and they're able to get some good quality work and skill development in that they can hit the ground running, um, you know, when fall practice you know, when fall preseason camp rolls around, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I definitely think that that's the target, right? Like, to get healthy and everything by then. I think especially when when you're thinking of when Ryan's going to get back healthy um, and everything like that, just seeing uh, – I mean, Kalkbrenner even. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's that should be the target for them, like, to be – to springboard this thing. And I do think just a lot of that buzz around just Trey and Arthur is going to help propel them. And, again, too, now you got to look at things like the transfer portal even different. Who wouldn't – who in the country, if you're looking to transfer, would not want to come play with Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhard, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander? Who would not? Show me them. Like, because yeah, I feel like that's a, it's the girl, that's like the best young group in, I don't know, the country to come want to play with, like with the momentum they have going. Yeah. That's an, it's an interesting question for sure. Cause I think you, you gotta look at what you're losing. Cause you have to find a way to replace that. And now for sure. you know, when, you know, Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell specifically were really productive players. Um, honestly, really productive and impactful two-way players. When you factor in, Hawkins' intelligence and his communication and his nose for the ball and rebounding situations defensively and offensively to create second chance opportunities. Um, and then Alex O'Connell, who, you know, always understood the scout, was really good at just knowing the tendencies of every team they're playing and could get guys on the same page. And then obviously was an elite playmaker with his athleticism, his ability to shoot it, um, and then his ability to guard the best player on the other team. So, yeah. you know – I, I do kind of caution a little bit against like the preseason hype. And I know that maybe kind of sounds like it's running contradictory to what we've been saying about raising the floor. But I think like, if I'm talking like raising the floor. Like don't think this team isn't capable of being top 20, top 15, top 10 ish and shouldn't be in consideration for the big East title in the preseason, but also understand that there's, um, you know, still going to be, they're still going to look better in February and March next year than they will in November because they're going to have to incorporate some new pieces at some key spots, I think. And it starts with those, those two spots with replacing Hawkins and O'Connell. And the question you brought up there is like, who do you attract and who wouldn't want to play for this group? And I think it's interesting because like, you know, who's available, um, 
you know, in the portal and who fits yeah. that. Yeah. I should have. Because, like, you think about you think about Nemhard and Trey and Arthur and Kalkbrenner. Like, if they're all healthy, that's four starters, right? We all, right. Like, that's, that's your one, your two, your three, four, and your five set right there, right? So you're basically looking for, you know, who's going to fill – Honestly, if Reef's healthy, that's probably five. So you're really looking for what? Some scoring punch off the bench, maybe another defensive guard who can, you know, just be a three and D guy for you. And obviously you want some more size because if Kaufbinner, you know, you don't want to have him play in 35 minutes a night right out of the gate with his knee. So you want to kind of work him back into it. So you need some depth. Um at the at the at some of those big big positions where you want where you need some rebounding and some size at the rim, um, and you also have Ben Stolzberg and Jason Green coming in in the freshman class. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they mold this roster together because right off the bat you think they're going to add some shooting because Hawkins and um, Ao were the best shooters on the team, so you got to supplement that somehow. Um, but you also have to kind of brace for the fact that, you know, Kalkbenner, Kaluma, Trey, R2, they're all going to get better too. So, you know, what they produce this year isn't going to be the final piece of their puzzle either. Right. And I should have put that better. Like, I, I just – I do think there is I, – I, I just believe in, like, Mac and the coaching staff's ability to recruit Alex-like, Ryan-like players, whether it's, mm. it, like, in the transfer portal or just out of high school. Like, I do believe, like – they will be able to like, I think that role they've figured out a way obviously to fill it with the best guys for that, whether yeah. it's like Hawkins coming from a D two or, you know, Alex coming from Duke, like it, it, the wing scoring, I think they know the type of players that they need to fill in there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it. I think the point you bring up is interesting though, where obviously the guys on the roster are only going to get better and only going to get themselves some more minutes. So it will be interesting to see where they bring in, especially in terms of bigs, like, what bigs would want to play in tandem with uh, Cal, Big Cal, or uh, behind him, you know? So it, it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. And I and the one thing we're not going to do is speculate on who's in the portal and try to figure out their fit. I absolutely hate that. I don't know why. Yeah, I do too. And I also don't – It just it, feels like everybody starts focusing on a name, and then when that mm-hmm. person goes somewhere else, like people think there's no options left. Like we didn't know last March who Ryan Hawkins was, who Keyshawn Pizel was, like – that all comes together and then you realize, Oh, wow. They were pretty vital to the team's success. So just let yeah. it out. You know what I mean? So that's Definitely. Kind of my, and, my philosophy, but it is going to be interesting to see how they fill it. I'm really curious to see what style of player they get um, in the off season to fill those roles. And even if they do, yeah. like, how do they feel about Mason Miller's redshirt year? Like what kind of work did he put in? Like, is he the guy that they think maybe can, um, fill some of that stuff. I don't expect him to be playing Ryan Hawkins's role next year, but you know, if they think that their their returning core is going to make a jump maybe behind that, do they have enough confidence in the Christophiluses and the Mason Millers of the world? Um, and then your Jason Greens and your Ben Stolzbergs to come in and play some kind of a role that would facilitate that a little bit too, or supplement that a little bit, because that's what I'm thinking right now. That's Nine guys, right? Yep. When you factor in Reef, mm-hmm. so the, num- the numbers game kind of plays against them a little bit when they when it comes to selling, you know, uh, a high impact transfer on the idea that he can come in and play 
if he's looking for minutes, there might not be that many to give. If you think that your young players are going to hit the ground running on day one and take those away, you know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff feels about the young freshmen that didn't play a lot of minutes this year, Christophilus and Mason Miller. Um, how healthy the guys that are on the mend are right, you know, going to be at that projected point with Kaufman or Reef, Nemhard, uh, Kaluma with his knee. And, you know, and then how you feel about Jason Green and Ben Stolzberg coming in to, you know, potentially be impact freshmen. So, yeah, their evaluation period is going to be really interesting this year because I think they do have a lot of potential to have a really good team. Um, but it's going to be – it's it'll be curious to see um, what they feel like is missing from the puzzle piece, you know, from the puzzle. Yeah, and yeah. the Kassan point is very good to mention too just because, like I even said before, like obviously when I was there – you had that one year transfer you had to sit. And so like those guys, even just being around the team under, like, I really don't mean to like hash on this too much, but I really think it's important where it's like, these guys know the playbook. Now they know that the Big East schedule mm-hmm. is like, they know what it's like inside the arena. They know what it's like on the road arenas. Like they, it's not going to be shocking to them anymore. So like just having them with that experience, even red shirting, is going to be huge. So I hope they can play, you know, a huge part and fill that role to some degree. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how, you know, Mason and John kind of work themselves into the mix here. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, because, like, you have a – I mean, you can go through it with your with your own teams. Like, the first year Mitch and Tyshawn and Marcus all played, you know, all played those – you know, when they got in the starting lineup together, right? Like, because the first year Mitch and Ty were – pretty much backups to Kyrie and Marcus, right? So they were kind of like watching all of that from, I mean, they played big roles, but they weren't like star roles, right? And then the the next year, Mitch, Marcus, and Tyshawn all played like star roles together. And you could see by February, they got it figured out in a pretty big way. And then next year, when January rolled around and conference play came back, like all of that familiarity you guys had, like you're talking about right there with what the league is like and, you know, just how it's going to feel and how it's going to play out. Once you guys hit that point, I mean, you took off and you never like, you never landed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Cause like, you got to think about it from the uh, like standpoint of like, think about how beneficial it was for Tyshawn to watch a year of Marcus Foster, you know, before him and understand like, Oh, that's what this role is for this team. This is what I, I have to be that consistent, you know, 16 to 20 a night. Like that's, this is my role. And so just even seeing that, like, that goes for what I'm speaking about with John and Mason. Like they're watching Alex and Ryan and they, they should be relishing like, Hey, if I, you know, put my work in this summer, you know, find my way, like get better on whatever they need to get better at. I could have some type of role like that. I'm not saying they're going to step into obviously being like yeah. the legit wing, but obviously have like, be able to contribute to that position offensively and defensively. Like they should be looking their chops right now. If I was them, that's where I would be. I would be like, okay, I because see this opportunity. You're saying they now I just see, need to go get it. Yeah. You're saying they can see what's there for them to do. Exactly. Cause you like, Oh, Alex and Ryan are going to be gone. So there's roles to fill there. You know what I mean? So yeah. they have an opportunity in the off season if they put that work in and if they want those roles to, to seize those things themselves. Right. Absolutely. Cause that's the way I looked at it. That's the way all, I think all of us did in my time. They're like, when guys leave, you're like, okay, this can be my role. Like I remember even when TC was leaving, like I was like, okay, if I, you know, can study the playbook and 
all this, I can maybe take those, you know, five minutes at the end of the half, mm -hmm. five minutes in the second half when there's a little bit too many fouls. But obviously I couldn't study the playbook well enough and figure that out from the point guard position. So that didn't happen. But well, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I got you. <laughs> I don't know. I lose you again? No, you're good, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. You, we here at Scurry in the Scrubs sometimes – yeah, we're good. I think the listeners know by now that sometimes we experience these technical difficulties. So if yeah. there's just like a pause, they bear with us. We appreciate you. Well, I just thought you were going to go super hard into into regrets, and I didn't want you to go down that path. I was going to stop. No, it, no, I just I clearly could not figure out. It wasn't a regret. I just from the point guard position, Max playbook. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> it's long. It's a long, long playbook that it's a big your boy Skur couldn't really get down, especially not from the point guard position. <laughs> it's intimidating you can huh? get the wings because yeah. this is the thing actually here's some insight into the Creighton playbook here's the thing about the Creighton playbook like the two and the three position are basically interchangeable for most of the offense right so like if you yeah. get the two three down you can because it's just different sides of the floor pretty easy to pick up and that's what I was studying for the like my first two years yeah. majority of it and then that's what, like what I'm saying when I was like, oh, TC is out of here. Maybe I should just, you know, a little, get some reps in at point guard. Maybe that's my opportunity. But, man, when I tell you the point guard of that position is like, like Max, the head of the snake in that offense, you got to know everything. Yeah. It is not easy. And that's why guys like TC <laughs> played when they did because that man was on it. Yes. He could really, he could really, I, like as Max said earlier, the preseason talk, he could recite plays better than the coaches could. Yeah, he was at, at, at points and yeah, and points in his last year, he was like running his own scouts. Like he knew those plays. Like he knew, oh, for sure. Cause he knew, yeah. think about it. TC was obviously there for four. So like, or five. Yeah. So he, he knew the playbooks of like Georgetown and all the, like the back of his hand because it was uh, for the time he was there, it was always the same coach. So it was always like very similar scouts every year. That dude knew everyone else's play. Like when I was learning scouts, he was like, oh, I've perfected this one. So I, I got you. <laughs> when I needed to know where to go, when I needed to know where to line up at times, TC, that was my guy. <laughs> yeah, that dude was a legend. I love watching him work. Um, Absolutely. What else is on our mind here? How are we going to wrap this up? Well, I think we, we, one thing we do need to address, though, too, is because we touched on transfer portal a little bit. Yeah. Let's not even get into way too soon. So I don't even want I don't want questions to be asked to us or anything like that about transfers on this team. Way too soon to even be talking oh. about that. That I don't even think that's the thing that's going to happen. Those of you who are even saying it, that is a ridiculous overreaction. And I will address y'all in about a month. I can see. Yeah, that's just the kind of the way the offseason goes. Is people wonder about, you know, they just look at a stat sheet and go, hmm. I wonder if that's not as many minutes as that player wants. Where I wonder if they're going to go somewhere else. <laughs> right. It's just, I, it's just, the, you just got to kind of let that thing happen. Like, I don't know. I just don't want to waste time talking about that because, like, it's all speculative, you know? No, we, we already – we did it. We already – we can move on. Yeah. We can get to the next topic here. <laughs> yeah, because I don't even want to – I don't even want to do it for potential guys who could come in. That's what I mean. Like, I don't even want Exactly. To, My bad. I, I opened the, I open the like, floodgates. I don't I, want I to create, like, a top ten list of, like, who Creighton should target in the offseason. That's, like, just – that just feels like nonsense because then you get people I agree. oh man those are the 10 and when none of those 10 like hit and then you're like oh my god Creighton had a shitty offseason it's like no it's not necessarily remember how bad remember, remember how bad everybody thought last year's offseason was remember all five oh yeah I do I do so, so I'm glad five, you brought that remember, up remember 
All four stars. So, so Marcus, DJ, Mitch, and Denz went pro. Christian transferred. Lusk left. Uh, Huss was being courted by Illinois. Um, who else? Did someone else leave? Yeah, Wrench left to Oklahoma State. Like, remember how everybody was like, it was the, "Remember the sky on? was falling. The sky yeah. was falling. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah." And then how it ended with them bringing in the best recruiting class in school history, uh, adding Ryan Miller, adding adding Jalen Courtney, Courtney Williams, um, finishing top three in the top four in the Big East again, getting to the Big East championship game, beating Villanova in the regular season by twenty, uh, beating UConn twice again. Uh, dog walking the regular season champs in Providence in the Big East semis on semifinal Friday, beating San Diego State in a comeback for the ages in the first round, and then taking number one Kansas to the wire in the second round when you got like nobody left to play. Like that, and that's that, why that, we're that saying that's why we're saying that off season of our of the of nightmares led to all that. Remember that? So yeah, yeah, led to what lost lost by three to Kansas in the round thirty two. Like <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, worst offseason ever. But that I'm glad you bring it up, though, because that's what we're talking about in terms of like raising the floor, because I'm glad we can address this now, because the reason I think we touch on this so much about just like the floor should be not like you should have confidence in Creighton now. Every coach in America should have confidence in the Creighton program now, Mm -hmm. because it's not just like obviously we lost coaches. We lost the starting five. And we still figured it out this year. Like, that's what we're talking about. That's a legit college program. Like, when you can do what Creighton just did in between last year to this year, that's when, like, come on, put some respect on that program. Because to be able to do that, there's not a lot of programs in the country that can do what Creighton just did. Mm-mm. Like, even Baylor. Look how hard it was for Baylor. Baylor won the national championship last year. Look how hard it was for them this year. Like, to, you know, obviously get back to a like level like that. And Creighton to that extent did very similar and like it wasn't talked about the same way. So yeah, man, like the, the bar has been raised. Respect needs to be put more on this Creighton program and the job that they've done with even just the assistant coach hires, the new guys they've been able to get and just the whole vibe around the program. Like you can tell that the guys who play there think that that's like, that it's the type of program we're talking about. So for those of you who don't think it yet, get on board because you're going to get left. You're going to get left. Yeah, I mean, it's not even. I hope we don't have to have that conversation again next 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 like preseason. I hope that's. No, like, I don't think we do. I think we're putting to bed I right just, now. I just look around the league and I'm just like, I don't know who you trust. Like, who do you trust? Seton Hall. Who do you Mac, trust Seton, more than Mac? Like, because like Seton Hall, Willard's at Maryland now, so he Seton Hall's got a new coach. Um, you, you trust Butler more than Creighton? No. No. Trust, Providence is going to lose like all their players from this year's roster. Do you trust? That more than what Creighton's bringing back, you know. Um, Cre- UConn hasn't even beaten Creighton yet. Like, but do you trust, and do you trust but also more? it's like, like do you honestly, trust Villanova? I don't know who you trust more than Mac right now. Because this is my thing. Do you even think right now, if even like goes on, let's say they even beat Kansas right now, and then go on whatever, do you trust them to do what Mac just did this year, next year? No. I don't think anyone does. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's, they'd, be that's playing, the they'd be playing Providence in the Sweet 16, too. Wouldn't that have been crazy? That would have been hilarious. That would have been so funny. Yeah, this is going to be – yeah, so 
Do you want to speculate about? Do you yeah, wanna... We don't need to though. We just know. No, no. I was going to ask a new question. Trust, like, oh, you're asking a question. Do you want to speculate on who's going to get the uh, Seton Hall head job? <laughs> no, because I think we already know. And I, and honestly, yeah, I do think it's fucked up the way it went down. Do you? Uh what do you mean? Like the 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 Willard situation? Not like him leaving, but him like basically like saying if if Shaheen Holloway gets it, like basically putting his name in it, you know what I mean? Stamping it, yeah. Yeah, because like St. Peter's is still an attorney, man. Like you can't be – now they have to answer all those questions about their coach leaving and yeah. like feel the pressure of that. It's like a, he just created like a giant distraction for St. Peter's as they get ready for the biggest game they've ever played in the program's history. And I think it's kind of bullshit that he did that. Yeah, but I think he can do a good job of like, you know, navigating that situation and being invested in the team still. But yeah, I do think it is messed up how the guy like try to stab him like yeah. what if the AD wanted to interview some other people? Like we don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, you got your whole so, yeah. you got your whole fan base riled up and you got their whole fan base like on tilt cuz you yeah. cuz you couldn't be straightforward. Like he took the Maryland job like a day after his season ended. And you're like, "Oh, I didn't yeah. talk to my agent yet." I have like three different agents and whatever, but if she can all the way gets the job after I leave, like that'd be great. Like, dude, why don't you just say you're bouncing? Like you coach like you were bouncing the last, you know, couple games of the year. So I don't even know why you had to play it like that. But you like put all the pressure on some dude who wasn't even trying to like hear about that right now. He's still playing. Yeah, let that man live. Let that man live. Let that man get himself to a final four and you yeah, out here that, trying to give him a whole BCU. new job. Let him go do this shit real quick. And then, yeah, of course, he's going to get a new job after that. But you don't have to, like, you know, have people all asking him about it and asking his players about it when they're getting ready for a game this week. I thought that was messed up. Yeah. No, I hope they don't pay attention to any of that. I hope they just focus on them for now. And then we can get to that after. But, yeah, he probably – Honestly, I don't even know why. Like, I like Kevin Lillard. I think he's, like, a decent decent coach. But, like, I don't know why the hell Maryland's paying that dude $4 million. Like, what are you trying to do? I have no idea. Isn't Maryland trying to, like, make, like, Sweet 16s and Elite 8s and Final 4s and stuff? Is that what they're trying to do? I I don't think so. You think so? Because Kevin Willard's – Clearly not. That's not what their actions told me. Yeah, I mean, Willard's – I saw uh, someone tweet today, like, their top Kevin Willard, Seton Hall era players or whatever, and they had, like, three teams. Like, they had three five-team lists. And I'm like, you had that many good players in the Kevin Willard era. Why did you win one in the tournament game the whole time? Like, yeah, and if and that's the thing because we have to bring this like into context. Like, he wasn't building a culture the way that like we built at Creighton and Mac built at Creighton, right? Like, because you know, like you don't build it up to that point just to leave for another job. Like, if you were actually being serious about that, you know, so that just shows you, like, again, this is what we're talking about when we talk about the coaching staffs, like in the Big East. Like, you have to realize there's certain coaches that are like really good coaches and like are you know, can make that movement, but there's also guys who are building like programs like a Mac and like a Jay Wright and like a Cooley. Like, yeah, I think there's like a, you're noticing the trend here with the, like the big East. And I think it's like, now we're seeing like the real, I think the big East is now coming into like a new, like now Creighton's been in it for enough years. Like the new teams have been in it that like it's reestablishing itself for what it is. So now we're seeing the real, I think it's all being exposed now. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh as you get more and more like as you get more and more into this thing it's hard to not 
it's hard to not put a lot of value on max tenure now. Like, especially as you evaluate the league, like who are you just going to give blind credit to as like, you know what, no matter what their team's going to be in this thing. And I think certainly Villanova has earned that beyond any shadow of a doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think Creighton's kind of like entering that too. That's kind of what we've been talking about here. It's like, when we say raise the floor, I don't think we're talking about like busting through the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we're saying yeah. like Creighton should be, you know, one in one a with Villanova basically, but it's like, you, you can't be picking this team ninth anymore. It's just pure garbage. It just is. Like to even Absolutely. have them have to like to even give them that motivation is laughable because they shouldn't even have to they shouldn't even have to have to overcome that. Like they deserve more credit than that. Because they've never been that. But I think how can you pick them ninth and they've never been ninth? Like they've been ninth one time. Yeah, yeah, it's happened like multiple times they've been picked to finish there. Why? You wouldn't pick someone who's finished first over and over again. Not to finish first, would you? So why do you pick someone who's only finished ninth one time in these ten years to pick to finish ninth like four times? Why? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's just yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. But we'll see. We'll see. They got a chance to redeem themselves next year with whatever their little early season well, this voting is, is there. There's these new coaches in the league now, so who knows if they don't respect Creighton like they should? You know, it's probably yeah. easier for like Willard and. Travis Steele would be like, yeah, these dudes like whip me every year, so I should probably stop picking against them. But, like, yeah, Sean but Miller now I think like, Gene Hall, like, I don't like Creighton, who cares? Because like we were even talking about before, though, where it was like the pressure, is there pressure on this team like to make the Sweet 16 and everything? It's like, no, I think it's progressed like every year. And even like I was alluding to before, like even my freshman year, like when Maurice went down and we still got to the tournament, yeah. but like ran into a URI team and we were kind of out of gas at that point in the year. Like, I think that the it's so fun to watch for us. And I was talking to Jahan. So fun for us guys, like, who played to watch after because you see that progression. And, like, we take pride in it because, like, being there my freshman year I, and sophomore year, like, I knew how much it sucked to go to the NCAA tournament and just have to pack up and go home after your first game. And mm-hmm. for us to tell guys on the team that and them to, like, understand that and actually, uh, like, work towards it, is huge. And that's all you want. Like, you just want to see that growth. And I think of any team in the Big East in the last, like, 10 years, Creighton's definitely had the most growth, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, because Villanova was kind of like – Villanova had been to Final Fours before this realignment. So they were kind of like already knocking on that door of winning a national championship with Jay Wright. Yeah. And so, like, that first group in – in 2015, just kicked it down, you know? So, um, yeah. I, so, I, Creighton already kicked down that Sweet 16 door. So, there's no, I don't think there's going to be pressure to make that again, you know? I think there's going to be – I think just there's going to be, like, that goal, that that intrinsic goal that they put on themselves to up the as a program. Like, look, hey, right. it's the same thing with the Big East Championship in, in, in New York, like – I don't think I don't think I've ever heard that as a goal to no. maybe I don't know, maybe Kyrie said it one time that he wanted to cut down nets there, but I don't know if I've heard that. I, like I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think that's a pro, I don't, don't think that's really a thought we have. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we ever really even thought about that because if you just think about it like logistically in the way the schedule works, like 
you just obviously want to be playing your best basketball by that time. Cause that's when the most is going to be on the line right. when, especially once it comes to the NCAA tournament, like you want to be rolling come the NCAA tournament. Like that's the best time to be playing your best basketball. So yeah, obviously you take it one game at a time, but yeah, I don't think we ever talked about like, let's get a big East title. Like let's win one this year. I don't, I don't think that was ever really like the, or a big East tournament title. Like, I don't think yeah. that was really the, you know, mindset. It was like, once you get there, it's just one game at a time. Right. But I think once you like, once those things come into sight, you start to, you know, you start to want to do them. Like, I think, yeah, I think once like winning once, once like your senior year, when you guys won the, when you guys were in contention to win the big East title, when no one thought you could, like when you got down to like the last three games right? and you started to see what your path was going to be like, Oh, okay. This is how we can get this done. Let's do it. And then next year's next year team that they brought back, they wanted to repeat, right? So it's the right. same thing. Like with the guys coming back, they've made the uh, Big East tournament championship. Now they know what that feels like. They know what that tastes like. Like I think it was there for Alex O'Connell and Sharif Mitchell too. Like even though Reef didn't play, but he remembered how the Georgetown game felt, right, from the previous March in, in MSG, and they wanted to come and rectify that a little bit. And that's kind of why that locker room was so emotional afterwards because they know you know, it meant a lot to them, you know? So mm. I think that's going to be, I think you're starting to see the more you do things, the more they become your goals kind of, because you can see what you're capable of. So I think this, this team's core, if it sticks together is going to have goals of, you know, winning second round games, going to the sweet 16, making deep runs in the tourney, um, cutting down nets at MSG and things like that before when other teams were just trying to like kind of, get to that point and hopefully be peaking and be healthy. I think this team will look at it a little differently. Yeah. And I think that you're right to bring that up. Cause I think that did fuel them this year, you know, trying to get back to that uh, big East tournament championship after last year. And now I think, you know, they're Creighton's just like, Hey, why not get to big East championship every year? Like clearly we've done it. Clearly we can do it. And so, yeah, now I think it's definitely, more so goal and i hope guys come in uh have it more so now just because we've proven it now so yeah definitely like not something we thought about them but hey you like you said the more times you get there the more you want to win it yep well that's gonna do it for our wrap-up on the men's uh 2021 22 season the jays finished 23 and 12 like we said before Ballard in the second round in a dog fight with kansas um finished fourth in the big east uh, made it to the Big East Championship game. Ryan Neymar was freshman of the year. Um, Ryan Kalkbender was Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Mac was probably had one of his best coaching jobs of his career, certainly his Creighton tenure. Um, so there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of flowers this team deserves because they put in, I think they gave the Creighton kind of fan base a lot of memories that will be hard to forget just because of the adversity they had to overcome beyond their youth and inexperience, like the things that they couldn't control with the injuries and whatnot. So, um, yeah, probably a year that's going to be hard to forget. I think this one will be, this one will go down as one of the best seasons of, of Creighton's, you know, modern era explosion, if you will, um, just because of the way it, way it went down and what they accomplished. Man, absolutely. Maybe, maybe proud to, have gone to Creighton, played at Creighton, no Coach Mack, no coaching staff. Like, 
to see how they fought. I'm just, you know, more than proud of those guys and the coaches, just everybody involved in the program. Like this year was just a very feel good season, not the injuries, but you very feel good season in terms of just the fight that this team had, you know, the willingness to, you know, fight through adversity and like come to closer together and, you know, not give up on themselves, not ever feel sad for themselves. It, it was a joy to watch them all year. For sure. So we're going to wrap up that. Um, we'll get our segment kicked off here with uh, Chevelle Sonsi and break down the women's path in Greensboro, what they got ahead of them with Iowa State, um, and then South Carolina and the winner of North Carolina, Arizona on the other side. Um, and honestly, what they pulled off here in Iowa City, incredible. So their first Route 16 appearance ever. Lot to talk about there, so anxious to pick Chef's brain, and we'll get that to you. Coming up, women are rolling. Let's roll, Jays. Okay, joining us now. On the pod is uh, Chevelle Santosi from Develop Basketball, former Creighton women's basketball assistant coach. Um, I do believe she's responsible for some of the players still on this roster, right? Who's still – who's still uh, – who'd you still recruit? Who's on this – who's on the squad that you had a hand in bringing in here still? Um, Rachel yeah, well, you know Tatum. How, you know how we, we, we recruit. We recruit, you know, pretty it's, – it's pretty team – yeah, you guys. Um, yeah, I know you guys don't like to take. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. But the, I, ones, yeah, yeah. But the ones that um that that I had a pretty decent you know relationship, especially from the recruiting start or the recruiting process was, it was Tatum, Rachel, um, and I would say Morgan, Molly, and Molly Mogensoon. We we came in on her really really late. Um, but it, I'm trying to think of, of anybody else, but. Yeah, we we all kind of dabbled in each of the kids. Yeah, so, so there's so about half this roster still. You you got a pretty good feel for them. So yeah, so Carly like, Carly Bachelor. Yeah, I'm like thinking about it right now. And yeah, Chloe Peyton. Like, there's some. Yeah, there's some old it's, stuff. Um, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I I that's why I'm like, that's why I'm I'm still just as stressed. I'm thinking my stress would have would have uh, dissipated, but it's just not the case at all. <laughs> No, definitely. You definitely looked super stressed uh, in the video your lovely husband Eddie posted on Twitter. Now, <laughs> yeah. my, oh, my, my first—I guess my—I I don't know if he's within earshot. My question for him is like he, he kind of warns you before you celebrate that you're pregnant. Like, take it. Does he think the baby's gonna fall out, or what do you think was gonna? <laughs> what do you think was? <laughs> what, 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 what was he imagining there? Like, he knows that's <laughs> intact, right? Like, it's not. It's, <laughs> I think he's just concerned, concerned about the jerking because that oh, wasn't gotcha. aggressive. No. You know, some aggressive movements um, yeah. probably aren't the greatest in the womb, but um, I guess you know I couldn't contain it though. It was it was really hard. That was well. I'm pretty sure like Serena Williams won a like a Grand Slam with her baby in the womb the whole time. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you were good to celebrate as you were good. You were good to go buck wild in the last three seconds. Yeah, it was there. There was no stopping that. There was just no. <laughs> no, but I, I 
Coach, coach, I feel you, though, because that's kind of the way I am when I'm watching this Creighton team play, like even not being as connected as you are, like with the team still, I, I yeah. still celebrate like that. So I know you can't contain it like that's those are, that's your that's your people. That's a part of you. So I definitely get why, you know, you, that excitement comes out in times like that. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, like you think you think you're not going to be as emotionally invested and then and then stuff happens and you're like, oh, my God. I need to calm myself because um, even like I like I, I know what you mean, because even before I started coaching at Creighton, it was it was kind of the same thing. It We didn't have like access to all the games because they were still in the MVC. So I would listen to them to, I'd literally get on iHeartRadio and listen to them while I was in um, right after I graduated because I was in Chicago and I'm like screaming. Um, but I think it's like when you play with, cause you still played with some of those guys and you maybe were part of their recruiting, you know, when they come, came on campus, there's, there's obviously love for the coach still. Um, so I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But what specifically, cause I wanted to ask just specifically for you, like, cause I know for me, it was just, especially with tournament wins are huge. Right. And obviously uh -huh. seeing a young team with the men's, I guess, you know, prevail the way they did and fight through adversity. What was it for you that like got you the most excited in that moment about this team? Like what, what was the, what, what created that enthusiasm? Um, Ooh, that's tough. I don't know. I don't know because the problem that I have is it doesn't matter what we're obviously this, this is a, this is a historic uh, moment. So that is just completely different. Um, we've, we've always been so freaking close to getting to, to where they are right now. Um, so it was like an emotional type of attachment, but honestly, throughout the season, like I'd watch the games on TV and I feel the same type of stress slash um, excitement. So that's a, that's a really hard question for me. Yeah. I think it's just the connection though. I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's, it's yeah. just being, be having a, you know, having your fingerprints on the organization still, or just having yeah. some connection. It's, it's you, just, it's that you feel it. Yeah. And you know, you know what those kids are going through, you know, like you've walked their same, you, you've, you've walked in the same classrooms and like, so there's just a, yeah, it's like a sisterhood slash brotherhood uh, type of thing. And you just want them to experience success. So yeah, I, I, I think I'd have to chalk it up to that. Before we jump into like the game itself, like how surprised are you that it's this group that did it? I'm not honestly surprised. Because we were talking that, earlier, you, right? Like you we and talking, I talked about this yeah. a long time ago. I feel like <laughs> right. um because these kids, like, it, and it's nothing against the previous kids we've had, but um, but these girls are just different in that they um I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Um, they're like hoop heads, you know, across the board. Um, and I think, I think that that stuff matters. Like with guys, it's, that's more of a norm where all the kids like eat, sleep and live basketball. Um, girls, not so much like, and it's, and it's not, again, nothing against that, but it's just, there's more girls who are like ready to move, almost ready to move forward into their next phase of life. Um, and I think, I think that with this team, there's a lot of kids who are just like, it's just, it's just, it's just hoop heads, man. And, and I, and they're, and they're freaking tough. So they, it, it's just a different, it's a different vibe about these younger kids who've, who've played um, and love it a kind of a different way. It, not, no, I'm not saying it's a better way, but it's just a little different. So. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I've been, 
uh, Coach Sai hates it when I say it, but I, every time they like, even after they like, well, they'll lose a game sometimes, but they'll just like, I think back to like the first game of the year against Drake where they were down 16 or 17 and they came back and lost at the buzzer. And then Nebraska, same deal. They were down 15 or so and came back. And I just like, I was, I remember I texted her on the way back home from Lincoln and I was just like, your kids are tough. Like, yeah, I just, man. I don't know how else to, I know you guys are one and two and she didn't want to hear anything about that. Cause it's not like they, they didn't blow you and O's doors off either. So I, I'm sure right. one, right. one and two, she was probably thinking like, we got a ways to go, but I was just like, I, I know you don't like to hear this right now, but your kids are tough. Like, I don't know what that's going to mean for you in March, but I just know that right now you got some it factor about this squad. If they can get the rest man. of it together. <laughs> so I, I, I sent her this. I sent her the screenshot of that, like on the way back from Iowa City, because she That's hates. Hilarious. She's hated. She hates when I say it, but I'm just like they just are. <laughs> they're, they're you don't you don't like a team that you know a team that isn't tough isn't winning in Iowa City that day. I'm telling you, like no, I don't care how many threes you throw in. I don't care how many shots you make. How good you're feeling about what you're doing out there. That was. Up until that day, the Lawrence, the Creighton Kansas Lawrence volleyball match that went five sets that Creighton went to the Sweet 16 off of, that was like the most insane winner go home atmosphere I've ever been in, in terms of right. like how Creighton overcame it and like just continued to make play after play after play and, you know, lead the way and be the tough team and make the tough plays and, you know, all this in match adversity and things like that. And I'm telling you, like Iowa city topped it. I never thought I would say that. Cause I thought that was the craziest, <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest sport you've ever been in, but like 14,000 people, there were like a hundred Jays fans in the arena. Um, right. And every time Iowa did something, anything, like if they got a turnover, if they hit a shot, if they made a layup, if they got a foul call, the place like was shaking and yeah. Creighton just kept, answering that over and over and over again. And then when, when Gabby Marshall hit those two back-to-back threes to give them the lead, I go, yep. I was like, this is danger zone because this place Here is we go. exploding, you know? Yep. And then yep. Lauren, and then Lauren Jensen is just like, just takes over. And yep. it's like, there's no way this is happening. Like, I, you know, you kind of see it because she was getting going at all three levels, right? She had a pull-up J. She had a couple layups off the drive, like straight off of the, straight off the dribble, like in one move, smooth as hell. <laughs> it's yep. like you're like there's no way she's gonna like do this right and then she lets go that three and from the angle like from the angle where we were sitting where they had the where they had like the media sitting in like it was kind of like lincoln set like lincoln setup where it's in the stands a little bit yep right but you have like she was off center from the top of the key so like it was she's like right you know behind you basically or you're right behind her basically is what I'm right saying. right so you can tell like all I knew was that when she let that go, it was online. That's all I knew. I don't know <laughs> if it was long or short, but I was like, as soon as it left her hand, I go, oh, that's going to go. And then it rattles home. And Sam McCune from the Omaha World Herald was sitting next to me. And I just like grabbed his arm. I go, I can't. She just hit that. And he goes, she just hit that. And we're just like, <laughs> oh, my God. And this crowd is like in a stunned, like shock. And it's like you're the former hawk. I just buried you, basically. And it's like, oh, my God, this is. This is the storybook for all storybooks right here. This can't be happening. And then they and then they finish it off, and it's just like unbelievable. Like that's just one yeah. of the most unbelievable Creighton 
sporting events I've ever seen in my life, like 30 years of watching them. It was insane. Yeah, that I can't imagine what it was like live because I, I asked Linda because um, we spoke, I think it was the next day um, about the atmosphere. Because you remember when we played Oregon State um, yeah. at their place for the second round? And that was probably the craziest environment I've ever experienced um, as a coach, at, at least. And um, she was like, Chef, it was louder. It was crazier because she's like, she said she couldn't even, she couldn't hear anything. Um, so to be able to do that at, on that stage, and it's just the, it's just, you really can't make it up. It's like a freaking movie. The kid leaves the, the program, um, and she ends their season the next year, you know, <laughs> it's just cold blooded. Wow. Yeah. Cold she's, a, she's a little silent killer though, man. Like she's, yes. um, yeah. and it, the thing is too, you know, like just to your point of the, the way that they started, um, cause I, I can't remember what I, what I text Linda, but it was, it was something, uh, somewhat similar to what you text. And it was just about how every single year we, we know that we're going to peak at the end of the year. Like we've, I've never, I've never experienced a Creighton team, maybe a couple years where we maybe had injuries or whatever, where we didn't peak at the end. Um, and so it's, it was just, it's just a matter of time before all those kids who were making those mistakes, that those mistakes would be really good learning opportunities for them. And, uh, and you can just see, even with just Lauren, uh, you know, Lauren alone, uh, she had some growing pains early some things that she would kind of, you know, their mistakes she's making on, on defense assignments or whatever it is. Um, and you can tell she's finally settled in. Um, and so you just knew it was a matter of time before that stuff happened. Yeah. I remember it was one of the first practices I saw with her too. And I actually wrote it up, which is funny because I, I think someone from white and blue review reposted it after the, after the game on Sunday, but they were doing like a lot of five on five scrimmaging, um, just inner squad scrimmage stuff. And she had shot the ball pretty well that day. Her and her and Morgan really did. And it's like, it's like, oh man, she's kind of interesting, you know. Like, I, I, the thing that stood out to me was how quickly she. And I don't know if like I'm phrasing this properly, but she transitions like so smoothly from like dribble to shot. And I think it's like mm-hmm. you just don't see you don't see players that smooth on the women's side like right. like you do on the men's side, you know. And so mm-hmm. it stood out to me when I saw that. I go, oh, she's really like hard to defend because you don't know. She gets to her shot pocket so quick off the dribble, like it's tough, you know? Right, right. And uh, and they were so they did a little five on five inter squad scrimmage, and I remember it ended in like a tie, and Flam was just like, "All right, grab the whiteboard, put like I don't know how many time how much time left on the clock." And he just like gave the ball to Lauren on top of the key and like let her go to work. And she got all the way to the rim, smooth, finished a layup at the buzzer. And it's like, it's kind of like poetic that that moment happened like early on in the season with this kid from Iowa who, yeah. you know, coming in like Tatum's your PG one, you know, Emma's a stud, you know, Morgan's a stud. Like um, Molly had some good run last year. Uh, Carly's kind of like a preseason breakout type of candidate because she finished off the season last year really strong, right? Shot the ball well from three. So you're like, where does Lauren fit, right? You know, like because yep. you know what's she coming into here? Where what's her role? What's what she need to do to get some playing time? 
And that kind of stuff stood out early. And it's like, it's just funny that, that early on in the season, like before any game started or anything, she was already like drawing Flan's eye for making those type of clutch plays and, um, you know, earning his trust in that regard. And then <laughs> at the end of the game and the most important game and when, when the Sweet 16 is like right there in your grasp, you just got to keep yep. making plays. You're like, look, like, let's try this kid who can score at all three levels. And with Iowa switching everything, she'll probably get ideal, like favorable yep. matchups. And like, let's just give her the ball, set some simple ball screens, spread the floor and let her work. And that's all they did. The last yep. like three or Simple. four minutes was like, give Lauren the ball, set a ball screen, get the switch, do your thing. And yeah, and she did, yeah. she did work. Yeah, man. And like the thing is too, is, is we obviously, there was somewhat of an advantage because we recruited her um, through her whole high school career, but just about. Um, so watching her with North Tartan, who's a really, really premier um, AAU program, uh, you know, that, it, it was, it was good to see that kids is freaking score. You know what I mean? There's like, you, you, you can't mess, you not, you can't mess that up, but like a score is a score. So you're going to be able to kind of see how that translates to the college level pretty quickly. And, um, and so it's, it's just one of those things where like, we, we lucked out with that kid. Like the fact that she didn't have, you know, I don't, I don't know the details of, of her leaving Iowa, um, but I just know how high we were on her before she chose to go to Iowa. Um, so for her to come and come back to Creighton, I think, I think it was, there was already a sense of who she would be with us. Um, especially, especially having that position be a little bit more open from a scorer standpoint, you know what I'm saying? Um, Cause from a wing, from the wing, we, it's not like we have this go-to score. We have kids who can score. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think she just, she just found her, she found her spot and um, that kid is just naturally gifted at, at getting to getting, getting Bucky's man. She's, she's really, really, she's just good. Um, and, that, and that's, and that's the one thing I noticed too. Cause like you hit it on the head with, cause I think shooters, man, like shooters shoot and it's easy to find your way in offense, just being a shooter. But I think yeah. her progression, like I, I, I wanted to ask, cause especially her late game progression, like we hit on it a little bit, like her fourth quarters this year, like at the beginning of the year I was watching and I was like, okay, yeah, she's a bucket. Like she can obviously shoot it from deep. She has range. She can get to her pull up. Like it's impressive. Like her pull up is so smooth. Like Matt was saying, like her dribble to shot is one of the more impressives I've seen, like at least in the big East. And now she's carrying it over to the tournament. What do you think though led to like her progression of being this like fourth quarter, like down, I think, the stretch of this year, she's always come up big in fourth quarters, yeah. whether it's, you know, facilitating or scoring. Uh, is it something about the Creighton offense or you think that's just within her that she started feeling comfortable, mm -hmm. like you were saying? Yeah, I think it, I think it's just it just got back to her comfort zone. Um, obviously, in high school, that that was her home. You know what I mean? Like that's that that was it, that was natural for her to be that person that go to. So she's had a, a plenty of experiences in the past where she's felt what it felt like to have the pressure and to have to put, um, to have to score in certain situations. Um, and that, that gap, that year of not playing, um, uh, when she was at Iowa, 
that probably stunted her just a little bit as it as it pertains to just transitioning to Creighton, you know. Um, and I think it just the nice thing is <coughs> it didn't take very long for her to get back into her little groove. But that's just the that's the benefit of being a scorer. Like it's like riding a bike, man. You she's having to be adapt to being a role player um, for a week for a year. And then she gets kind of she gets the opportunity to go back to to her home of, of being dependent on. And so I think it was an easy transition for her once once she felt like the coaches trusted her. I think the biggest I, and this is just an assumption. Um, I haven't had this conversation with the coaches, but um, I think the hardest thing about Creighton is more so um, focusing and, and being held accountable for the other areas of your game. And that's what Flan is really good at. You know, like you can be a great scorer or whatever, but he's going to hold you accountable for scout defense and rebounding. Cause I, I just remember clearly like one of the first games I went to, it might've been you and no, um, but he was getting on her, man. He was on her butt for not rebounding. And then all of a sudden she's rebounding at the end of the year, you know, like it's, it's just these, these other areas as a scorer, when you have to be a scorer and you need to focus on rebounding and you need to focus on, scout defense and you need to run the floor you need to make sure you do all these other things that maybe you weren't um maybe you didn't have to do to get on the floor or or, uh, gain trust from your coach I think her being able to get to that point where he trusted her in those other areas also helped her to become more confident and have a little more um I don't know confidence in the fact that he trusted her on the floor um, and in more areas than just being a scorer. Let's talk about the defensive end of the floor a little <coughs> bit, from especially from the Iowa performance, because you obviously know like Monica Sonano is like automatic if she gets deep post position and catches it right. And then Caitlin Clark is obviously one of the more tougher, maybe the toughest um, open floor guard in the country, right? So. Yeah. Right. What did what what did you see that worked for Creighton defensively? That you know, but th- obviously not everything was going to work against those two. You're kind of going to live with some level of volume there, but you're just hoping it's as inefficient as you can possibly make it. Yeah. What did you feel like worked well for Creighton defensively? Um. Well, number one, they were extremely physical with Caitlin early, yes, and they, they I feel like they set the tone with her. Um, and that's and it's not a weird thing for the NCAA tournament to be to be reft more physically. So that um, I thought that that was, I thought that that was what won the game. They, they changed up deep defenders on Caitlin. They gave her a lot of different looks, a lot of different types of player defenders. So you go from Molly Mogensen to Rachel Saunders um, to Tatum. Those are three very different types of defenders, you know? Um, So you can't really get into a groove. You can't figure out, um, how you're going to be able to expose some of the weaknesses um, and get into and get in, in any kind of flow. Um, so I thought that was big, but, <clears throat> I, and I don't know, again, I don't know what their, the exact scout was, was on, on Cezano, but um, I know when we played Megan Gustafson in the, in the first round or uh, yeah, first round in California and uh, was it 2017? Um, it was 2018. 18, what Gustafson was a beast, you know, like, she was the player they of the year. Have, she was the player of the year that yeah, year, wasn't she? Yeah. They have a freaking, yeah, they have a coach there who does a ridiculous job with post players. Um, so you know that that is gonna be 
that's going to be a very difficult thing to stop. Um, but to me, I thought they did a good job of just letting, not letting her get hers, but trying to do what they could one-on-one and making those other kids and making Iowa depend on other kids too, you know, doing a really good job on Caitlin, doing a, a solid job on, on Susano, um, and forcing those other kids to have a bigger role in the, in the game. So I thought, I thought that the key though was definitely the physicality on Caitlin. Cause I, I think it got into her head a little bit. Um, and because she's used to getting to the free throw line mm-hmm. and she's as she should, she's, she's an aggressive player, but, um, like I said, NCAA tournament is always different. So, um, you never, you never ever get the calls you get in the regular season in the NCAA tournament. So I thought it was good for them to take advantage of, of the physicality piece. You know what I thought was was a kind of an advantage to in that degree for Creighton was the the night so Friday Iowa played Illinois State and it was kind of like you know they shot a lot of free throws in that game but it wasn't a really physical game it was like kind of like a mo- more open floor you know and then they just started blowing Illinois doors off after like late second quarter mid second quarter it was kind of a wrap you know they just they just they just buried them. Um, but Creighton played Colorado, and that one was a grinder for, like, 40 minutes. So I think in a weird way, although Iowa's from the Big Ten and you can say they're used to more physicality, I think Creighton was more used to the way that, that the game was going to be officiated that weekend from a physicality standpoint. It just seemed like they knew what you were going to be able to get away with, um, yeah. especially on the perimeter. and. I think they employed that from the start. I think Iowa was a little shocked by it because Lisa Bluter, Iowa's yeah. head coach, was very distracted, in my opinion. Like she was not, she was losing her grip on the game really early because you could, I mean, she was constantly just barking at the officials and trying to get them to make calls and, you know, trying to get explanations for certain things. And it's like, you're, and before she, before she knew it, like Creighton was up 12, you know, and it's like, you gotta, I agree. you kind of gotta, you gotta just, you gotta adjust to what's going on out here uh, because your team is, your team's going sideways on you. And I just thought that, get, honestly, the game was consistent. Like, I don't, the reason it that was, I really can't like say that Iowa got a raw deal is because the game was officiated evenly for both teams and all weekend it was officiated like that. So I think, you know, if you, if, if they had just prepared maybe, for that, they could have handled it a little bit better from the jump, but that's kind of on them. I thought Creighton was ready for that from the start, and you know, you, I, I think it was the way they had to do it too. They couldn't really let, um, you know, you don't want to let a player like Caitlin get into a rhythm because once she's feeling it, there is no off button, right? Exactly. So they they just kind of they kind of take their chances with like, hey, we're gonna have to set a physical tone here to start this yeah. game, and we're gonna have to see what the officials are going to let us get away with and what they aren't. And that's the way we're going to, have to yeah. let it, we're going to, we're going to, have to ride with that for at least the start of the game and then adjust accordingly if we have to, if we have to, but they didn't have to, the, the, the play was physical from the start and it was physical all the way to the end. And I think it started to wear Iowa down, honestly. Like I thought Creighton was the team that was ready for it as opposed Absolutely. to, as opposed to Iowa. Actually, yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause so, uh, uh, I was talking to one of the coaches and she, she asked me, she was like, what would you do if you were, if you were scouting us, um, like, how would you guard us? And so I said, I would be extremely physical. Number one, 
Um, and I can't even remember what my second thing was, but I, I, I just talked about getting them, like getting them out of their comfort zone, but bumping them off their cuts, like getting into them as far as just putting a lot of pressure on their movement because their motion is the hardest, absolute hardest thing to guard. Um, and I would yeah. probably switch everything or not switch. I said, I, I said not switch because, because Creighton's been called, uh, for that, for that, uh, those screens. Did you notice that the last towards the end of the year? Um, we got, we started getting called offensive fouls for those mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, get the yeah. ones for, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I'm like, Oh God, some switch. So, um, I would, I would definitely not switch because I think Creighton has started to get penalized for that. And then I said, I'd be more physical. So going into Colorado, that's exactly, I mean, obviously that's what, but that's who they are. They're, they're a pretty defensive minded team. And so I think that that game was probably the best setup for Iowa. Um, whereas, you know, I th- who did, they, who did Iowa play for the first round? I can't even remember. Illinois State. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, I felt like that game put, put us in a different mindset as far as just the physicality piece. Um, but I think you're exactly right. I, I did feel like it was, it was interesting to see how, um, frazzled is not the word, but it, it, it did throw Bluter off. Like it, it, it felt like it was a, it was a major focus for her in the game. Um, and so that's why that very first, I think it was like a, it was like the first quarter and Molly Mogensen, I think she got a foul, something happened. But you could just sense the body language. You could sense that this was going to be a game where we're going to be more of the bully, you know. Um, and in previous year, I, I've never, I've never felt like we were the bullies. Never, <laughs> never. And that's and that, and that's funny too, because like I think we we talk a lot about it um, on the pod, Flan, and you know, just his preparation and just Creighton athletics preparation in general, right? And it's funny you said like whoever called you to you know get your input input just because like. We, we always talk about how important just the preparation is at Creighton. And obviously me being a scout team guy, like that was my role. What, what difference do you think that played in it? Cause like, I, I look to these tournaments all the time, like Flan's obviously such a good coach and his preparation is so on point that that's kind of, to me, what I felt led to them feeling like, you know, they were the bully in that situation. Do you think it was preparation there or what, what role do you even think like that preparation has for this team? Oh, I think it's everything. Uh, I, I definitely think it's everything like, so we, we, to me, we get the best of both worlds. Like we get the hoop heads, we get the kids who have feel and they can play and they can like deviate and make plays. And I think that's great. But I think the other side that, that maybe other programs don't quite get a hundred percent of the time is the amount of, of, or the attention to detail. Um, like we're so freaking thorough on our scouting reports, you know, like we're, we have it down to a freaking science. Where, it's, cra- it's crazy. Um, and, and I think it, it, it pays dividends um, because there is just, there's just so much intentionality behind just about every single decision that's made. You know, like I just remember being in our meetings pre, you know, before we would play whoever we're about to play. And we'd almost like go through scenarios. You know, what if they do this? What if they show this? We, we've synergied every single thing that they've shown for the season and so that way there's no curveballs for us um and so we we we've also gotten to the point where like you're saying you can kind of you can kind of try to get yourself outside of your own team and look at it from the vantage point of your opponent and say 
okay, where are weak spots and how would you try to expose us? And how can you expose us with the personnel that you have? Um, because St. John's can't expose us the same way that Villanova can expose us the same way that Marquette can expose us. Um, so it's, it's like every single game, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of approach it, but we are very detailed with that preparation. So I think it's a, I think heavy, a heavy part of that is prep. And that's, that's just a testament to Flan though. Like that man is, he's, it's a good crazy, but he's crazy. Oh yeah. He's in the office. <laughs> He's in the office at five o'clock in the morning watching film. He's watching practice film. He's watching everything you can imagine. We're, we're using, you know, as a staff, you know, we watch full game film. Don't get me wrong, but we would, we would, we used a lot of synergy. Um, and Flan doesn't, he doesn't lean on that thing at all. He is like old school, um, but it pays off. <laughs> Flan's is a straight game, a straight one game. Man, he's, got, yeah. he's got his little remote and his DVDs. <laughs> That's what I, was, I, was, I was about to say, does he have like the tape still? Is he VCR with it or is he DVDs? <laughs> he's still DVD. As far as I know, he is still watching DVDs, but um, yeah, he's, he fast forwards, rewinds. Like he is, he is watching every second of, of these games. Um, but you don't realize the value of that stuff until you start to do it. Um, and that's, that's where, to me, that's where I made the biggest growth or I grew the most was understanding how valuable it is to see, like, maybe that, maybe those, those 10 possessions in a row of a player going off is great to see, but, um, you don't get to see when they miss a couple shots in a row in their body language and they miss a couple shots, you know, and you don't get to see what what caused them to miss the shot and what are some tendencies that they have when there's just a lot of different nuances that you pick up on when you watch full game film. And, um, that's what Flan is really good at. So that's why his, you know, on top of the fact the assistants are on top of it, he is like, he's like the absolute, absolute mastermind behind on top of that. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's just a lot of, lot of coverage on, on these, on these teams. I got to ask you because you played for him, you coached with him. Before we move on to Iowa State, like, did you have any emotions on Sunday? Just knowing what, you know, how much time that man's put in the game and, you know, how many decades on decades of players that have come through his program and teams that he's had that have come close. Um, Did you catch yourself at all thinking about how awesome it was to see him have that moment? Yeah, I I got – I mean – I didn't, I didn't quite cry, but it's, it's a pretty emotional thing, um, for a few reasons. So like one, one story I'll tell you is, is when I, when I played for plan, um, it was my freshman year, we were supposed to be pretty good. Right. I think we were projected to, to be number one. Um, we had like Angie Janice, Christy Woodard, like we had some like really good returners full, full of seniors, um, and super seniors. So we were supposed to be really good that year. We ended up, I think we won seven games that season. Um, and I just remember, cause I would go up to the old gym and if I don't, Scurry, have you been to that gym? Oh yeah. I had class. I had, I had classes in there. Come on. That's like, I'm pretty sure when you had classes up there, they were all like nicely remodeled and stuff too. Oh, they were, they were beautifully remodeled. I, I used, gracious. I used to, I used to hate, I used to hate the walks from the, you know, lift to, uh, like English three, but Hey, you know, I, I was, I was in the old gym. Scurry, I got to send you a picture of one time. You were like, just shoving them were about to go to practice and like Brie Rollerson, <laughs> Brie Rollerson, who's playing overseas right now. She was like hanging on like the bottom 
<laughs> you know that little bumper that like hangs on the bottom of the backboard for like a buffer in case dudes yes. heads on it, you know? Oh yeah. That thing was like hanging down and no one thought to remove it. So oh, she was just like oh she just like yanked that thing down one day, just got sick of it. But yeah, the old gym is oh my god. Yeah. I've heard, I've, I've heard the stories, but yeah, never got to sad I never got to hoop there. What's that other what's <laughs> yeah. that court? That's a hundred and eight foot court on the other side, right? Isn't it? It's yeah, not, it's, it's a longer major. court. Yeah, that's yep. that's hilarious. longer longer court, no clocks in there. Yeah. Love yeah that. um no so one of the one of the times that uh so when you go up into that gym you had to pass as a player your locker room was downstairs you had to go through that door or i'm sorry the uh the hall that passes flan's office um before you can get up to the gym so regardless of what time you went up there um you would have to run into his office if he's in there so, but one of the days, like I'm, I'm going in there and it was, it's like the most random time. I want to say it was like really late or really, really early. It's probably really late. Cause I was in college and I, I definitely slept in. Um, but it was, he was just in there and you could like, his head was on the desk. Um, and you could just tell he was like really stressed about, you know, what was going on. Um, cause we, again, we were supposed to be really good. Things weren't going well. The locker room energy or the, the culture in the locker room was not good at all. Um, we had, there was just, it was just a lot of negativity, um, so freaking far from where it's at today. And, uh, so I think about that stuff a lot because he's, he had, I'm sure who knows how many opportunities Flynn had, you know, to do different things, but he stuck with this program, even when things were just, they just seemed they seemed like they, they, we had no chance, you know, like it was, it was like, I don't know how you have a team that's supposed to be really good and you don't reach that and get, or get even close. And you still have the ability to show up every day at 5.00 AM and still put the time in to invest in something you believe in so much. Um, and so for me, that was very, that was like a motivating thing to see, you know? Um, so like, for him to have this experience and for him to get, get, you know, what he deserves because of how much he's invested into the program, into his craft. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it was, it was fairly emotional from that regard. Um, on top of the fact, like Linda and those guys, you know, it's like those, yeah. those guys do mm -hmm. a lot of work too. Um, and Flan is like a really good boss. You know, like he's not micromanaging. He he he's created a culture that came from what I was experiencing as a freshman to what it is today. Um, and I don't think there's I don't think there's any other reason behind that other than the fact that he's he remained committed to to what he what he saw um, in Creighton. So that's what that was the emotional part for me. Yeah, see, because that's what I that's kind of what I was asking at the beginning there, because like I feel the same way, like with the you know men's program, even just like we've created such a great culture, I think, at Creighton where it's like no one's salty. No one who leaves is really like salty ever for the teams because you feel like you're a part of it and you only want better for those who come after you kind of like feel like you were laying the groundwork almost dude, to a degree. Right. Dude, how long? Hey, how long was Terrence Retro here? A year, a year, like two years, right? Yeah, two like years, a year, two years, a year, two a year years, half, yeah, a year and a half, basically. Yep. Yeah, after after Creighton beat San Diego State, um, what Thursday night? Yep. He texted me and he's like, "Dude, that's so awesome!" Like, blah blah blah, blah you know, just like chopping it up a little bit. It's like, dude, he was here a year and a half. 
You know what I'm you saying? Can, you can feel it, though, because yeah. it's just like, like it's just, exactly. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Which was even just talking about just because it's like, you know, there's just like you feel like you're a part of it. You feel like something you did there or whatever it was, like the way Flan yeah. makes everyone on that team feel special, the way Flan makes like you and your career there made you feel like that was important and everything you took from that was worth it. So, right. yeah, I think that's what makes it so fun to just cheer these teams on, because like you were saying, even at the beginning, like, you know what they're going through. Like you walked yeah. in those classrooms, you went from the gym to class to lift to lunch, like you did all that. So. It's fun to just like I, I take so much joy in just watching them play and have so much success because I'm just like, hey, we're all part of the same big happy family. Yeah, man. I yeah, you, you that's I couldn't explain it better. Like there is there's just so many there's so many attachments, you know, whether it's whether it's to the players, uh, to the coaches, there's there's whether it's the freaking staff, you know, the athletic staff, just, you know, even outside of outside of the direct team. Um, there's just a lot of genuine, um, relationship and care for the people and the community that they've created, that it's, it's, it's impossible to not feel part of, of whatever success, even after you leave. So I'm, I'm with that 100%. I think that I don't know what stands, what, what, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're trying to process everything and you're trying to figure out what what parts of the story are the most important to highlight at this moment. And obviously like Lauren's moment is like center stage, right? That's, that's the story of the tournament essentially right now. And, uh, but, but, but you're so right about like everybody kind of having their fingerprint on this thing because when you're in that gym and you're watching them go through their preparation, like they're, you know, when it's Tuesday and they're getting ready for their weekend, you know, their two game weekend against whoever they're playing in the big East that, that, that time, like it's not like, you know, Flan's the head coach, but it doesn't feel that way. And I, yeah. and I, and I don't think it always was like that. I think early on when I started covering the team, maybe like, you know, I think it was early to 2010s, you know, somewhere around there, it felt like he had like his hands on everything. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if it was, but like as you came in, as Fritchie came in, as Linda came in, as Carly came in, like I just think he started to like let go a little bit and trust his staff a little bit more, and he yeah. certainly does in recruiting. So right. he, he certainly sure. he certainly trusts you guys to evaluate talent, right. um, you know, find the fit, bring it in, um, develop it. Because like you watch these practices now, and it's like everyone's got a voice, and it feels pretty yep. evenly dispersed. Because like. Right. Linda's got a prominent voice in the gym. Flan obviously does, you know, Jordan's got her input. Carly's all over the place. Like, you know, and now with Carly, with Carly, um, um, you know, at home taking care of Luke, like Connie stepped in and, you know, and kind of like, you know, it's kind of reinvigorated her as a coach too. Like she didn't, yeah. it didn't seem yeah. like she really wanted to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. So like, I, I, I just think it's cool because it's, like it's, it's, there's not one dominant, person who you like is you know that feels like indispensable it feels like they all are you know what yeah. I mean? it feels like it wouldn't happen without like a single Everybody. one of them 
You know what I mean? Right. Take, take one away and it doesn't happen kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there's a, a part of it. Matt, there's a really good, I, I don't mean to break this up just out of nowhere, but I think there's a really good, like Monty Williams had a really good quote. I think the coach of the Phoenix Suns, and he talked about his first stint as a head coach. And he said, when I was with New Orleans, I tried to, you know, I, I thought I knew everything and I tried to coach my way or the highway too much. And he's like, I really became a good coach when instead of telling my players what to do, I asked them what I should do. And mm-hmm. I feel like that really holds true with Flan, mm-hmm. what Matt was just highlighting, with Mac, and the ability to adapt. Like, how much of that have you noticed to, throughout Flan's? Like, because you were just highlighting on it a little bit, but how much did yeah. you, have you noticed that from Flan and just obviously your time with him and coaching yeah. with him and now, you know, watching this team? Yeah. No, that's so true. And, and I don't, I don't, I can't speak for Flam. I can obviously just only speak, speak from my experience as a player to a coach, uh, because that's what I I graduated in 2010 and I, and I finished coaching in 2017, uh, or I'm sorry, 2020. So there, that's a big, that's a huge amount of time to watch someone and be in their, in their presence, uh, as they're, as they're coaching. And so when it, when it comes to how he coaches, I think, I think he's definitely released or relinquished a lot of uh, responsibilities and he's, he's trusted um, the staff more. I think part of it is, you know how it is. Like when you put so much effort, like Flan is, is, is putting in just as much effort as he did when from day one. Um, But I think he has, uh, and it's not that the maybe staffs previously weren't putting in as much, um, but I think he has faith in, the amount of the amount of effort that the coaches are putting in that that relieves him a little bit more um whereas maybe before he didn't know for sure or he was just on he was just younger and didn't have enough experience to to feel really feel comfortable letting go some of, of some of that stuff um so i i know for a fact i remember there was one time in a, a timeout and i can't remember what game it was but he, it was a, it was, it was actually in a, um, at a halftime and they got it on video. I think we were at Seton hall and he was like, what do you guys see? You know, asking the kids, the players. And so the girls started ask, answering the question. That was the first time I've ever seen him, um, you know, open it up in a situation where it's tight. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot on the line. Um, and you can just tell like that, that was a growth moment for him from, a, from the standpoint of staff to player. Um, I think prior to that, he had, he had given more responsibility to the coaches, but, um, I I think when, I think he became, I think he became more, even more of a player's coach when that happened, because I think he realized that the kids have a different perspective than him. Um, and it's valuable. He can, he can take all his information and combine it with what they have to say. Um, so I felt like that was really an awesome an awesome moment for me to witness because I knew he wasn't asking me at no halftime what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> that, could, that was too early in his, in his career, huh? Was it? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there at the right time and I probably wasn't locked in as much either. You know, I talked about <laughs> My answers might not have been right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, well, I don't know. I, you could have ruined it. You would you have ruined it for him? Like, well, that's the last time I'm asking. I probably would have messed think. all that up. I was trying to get buckets, man. That's all I could <laughs> Hey, you got your you got your fair share. You got your fair share. Um, how do you feel like? How do you feel about this week? Because you know, I just I mean, they're they just got done with their presser about three hours ago, and 
it's been the same questions for the last how many have they done now? They had the post game Iowa, then they had the the return to campus, then they had pre practice Tuesday, I think, and then they had this one today. So, you know, about three or four sessions with the media, basically, and it's all kind of been the same thing. Like, how's it feel mm-hmm. to be here? Yada yada yada, and very little questions about like Iowa State. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like kind of getting a little uneasy, but I'm like, even like as I'm listening to people ask questions, like, yo, move on, like. Yeah, you can't like you yeah, can't keep asking them. But yeah, you got to like yeah. ask them about Iowa State. Otherwise, they're going to be be thinking about Iowa when they're trying to guard Ashley Jones and Emily Ryan. But like, how do you feel <laughs> about this week? Like, are, if you if you think you make it to a point where you've never made it before, mm-hmm. and especially with a roster that's like pr- really really young, right? I mean, yeah, there's. I mean, ne- they're going to have six of their top seven scorers back next year, right? Like, like how 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 what? Where's your confidence level at that they're able that they're going to be able to turn the page, um, yeah, and do the and do the prep the right way, right? Um, I feel really good, honestly, because I think I think that Flan he he's like even in the locker room after the game, he's like he wants you can feel in what he says that uh, he doesn't see it stopping at the Sweet Sixteen. Like that was great. You can tell he's excited about it. But you can tell he's thinking elite eight and fine. You know, he, he's he's thinking further and he and he preaches further. Um, and I think that setting that tone by itself, because he I, I think he does a good job of celebrating. But I think he does also a good job at the same time motivating to push, you know, that threshold even more. Um, so I'm sure you've seen those little highlight videos from the locker room, um, post game, but I think that, I think that that stuff is, is why Flane is really good is because he, he can enjoy the moment. He's not like a psycho, you know, he's going to enjoy the moment, sweet 16 and, and be excited, but he's, I guarantee you the first thing he did was got the film for Iowa state and was like on it. You know what I mean? Like, so when you have somebody who's geared like that, that's how he's going to communicate. Um, and I think that rip that has a ripple effect. It's going to ripple effect through the coaching staff and the, and, and instantly to the kids. Um, and I think that these kids have, again, just a different mentality, uh, when it comes to that. And I think, I think that they want more too. Um, so I feel really good. I think the press is going to do their thing. They're going to, they're going to try to find their stories or whatever. Um, they're not probably not as interested in scouting reports or, you know, what we want to (laughs) know, but, but I, uh, I was trying I think- today too. I was on the, I was on the zoom. So like uh-huh. I was sitting there with like the raise hand feature up, like, you know, waiting for them to call on me. And I had like four Iowa state questions ready. Cause I know Flan is like, he doesn't want to talk about this like Sunday through Wednesday stuff anymore. He wants to right. talk about Friday, but yep. like they didn't get to me. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, that was a disaster. Like they didn't even <laughs> talk about Iowa state hardly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the other thing is like too, you give Flynn a lot of days to prepare. Like, I feel like the team's going to come out right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're going to win. Yeah. I would say it's really good. They, they, have t- they have talented players. They're a really tough matchup because of the position Jones plays and how versatile she is. And then Emily Ryan, I think is honestly, I think she's the most underrated point guard in the country right now. That kid is yeah. going to be a superstar by the time her career's over. Yeah. Um, and I think she's going to be like a shooing all American for the last yeah. two years of her career. So like they got a tough, challenge out of them you know what i mean i think this is a better this is a very challenging 
matchup more so than Iowa. I think Iowa's got like star power, mm-hmm. but Iowa State's got firepower all over the yeah. place. Right. So like they could come out ready and still, you know, not get it done. But I think they're going to come out ready because I just there's something about Flan with like a week to prepare. I don't know. Like, yeah, I just think he's yeah. going to I think he's going to check off all the boxes that need to be checked off. He's going to uh, he's going to get rid of the ones that don't really, you know, that's kind of over and where he's not going to do paralysis by analysis. He's going to make sure that they're focused on the things they need to be focused on and. Yep. have his adjustments ready to go for in-game stuff when he sees things not working. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I feel I feel really confident in Flan's ability to put together, put together a game plan when he has multiple days to find, you know, what makes a team tick and how to take that away. Absolutely. And I and I think the other part that he does a good job of is is not applying his way of learning or his way of preparation um and putting that onto the kids. So he's while he's getting ready every moment and as soon as our game, you know, is over sweet 16, he enjoys it for a moment and then he's, he's popping on his phone. Um, I think he does a good job of giving those kids a chance to decompress and like breathe and like just be in a moment of, of that success and then moving forward and, and, and making uh drawing an absolute, like a, a line, you know, like, okay, guys, we did it. Now it's time to focus. This is what we need to do for Iowa State and and completely just let them clear their minds um, instead of just going, jumping right into it to where these kids are kind of all over the place. So I think I think he has a really good idea of of how to take his information and make it the most effective for, you know, 18 to 22 year old girls um, or women. So um, that's what I like about the amount of time is, you know, he 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 took the amount of time he needed to take to work on whatever they needed to work on um, and gave them a little bit of a break uh, and, and has them ready mentally for the, for the next role. Jordan, how much confidence do you guys derive from having preparation? Like let's, let's say like, let's just say Creighton has had enough time to dissect Iowa state and get themselves ready. And, and we know that Flan is really good. Flan and his staff are really good at putting together game plans. Like, how much confidence should the players have when they're fully prepared? Like, what does that do for a team when you know you're going in and you know, you know, variable A, B, and C, and so on? Well, I think it even just hits on kind of a part we said, like going into a game feeling like the favorite or feeling like the bully, right? Because it's like you have so much confidence in preparation and, you know, the cliche that coaches like to use all the time, you know, lack of preparation is, or what was what would Mac always say? Um, uh, what is it? Failing to prepare is preparing to fail, right? So it's like I think it, like going in with that ultimate confidence of, and like we talk about a lot, like the scout teams at Creighton are like top notch. So just having that and knowing that no, we prepared better than this team gives you that edge going into the game. And so I think that's where you know having a clo- coach like Flan, who you know the players, you can tell like, and we felt this way even with Mac. Is it's just like when you believe in your coach and your coach's game plan and like even just what coach was just saying about Flynn, like a man who's sleeping at his desk and is putting all that time in, how can you not feel confident going out on a court and playing for a dude like that? So clearly it's like bleeding into their success of like the NCAA tournament here. And I, I just hope it continues. Cause like they look like world beaters out there. They look like confident. They have that swag and it's fun to watch. Yeah. I, I, 
I, they they do look like a group that's going to be hard to stop. But you know, this is the part of the season where it's like it just it's one it's one night. You know what I mean? You just got oh, absolutely. Like it's Iowa State. They're really good. If you get by them, it's South Carolina or North Carolina. They're really good. Like there is no there is no B game getting through to the next round. Like that's what's fun about this tournament is it's so like exhilarating because you know you can kind of tell right away if you're going to have it or not, you know? And I think that's what the the Iowa game was about that. Like Iowa came out on fire, but you know what? So was Creighton. Right. (laughs) It's like, you know, okay. So that's going to settle into a little bit of a battle like that. I think it was surprising that it was low scoring, but again, I, I, I think that's okay because I think it was a, then then it became a battle of adjustments and it's like, and, and and not to, not to backtrack, but uh, again, like a good point is just that like, what gives you confidence to going into like their next game and hopefully going forth is just that they are like Flan celebrates with them. And even though it was maybe even just for that moment in the locker room or whatever it was, mm-hmm. it makes it all the more fun when you know, your coach is going to be celebrating with you, even just for that moment, like just to have Flan celebrating with them like that. Like, obviously he was probably right back to film right after that. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> yeah. just to, just to have that embrace, have that moment. Like I remember watching in 2020 when they went to the sweet 16, obviously the, the year after I left and I was just like, man, I would give anything just to be in that locker room. Cause I know what it meant for Mac. I know what it meant for all the people around the program. And so that's what I think brings the balance too. like, and now this, these girls are realizing these like and young women, excuse me, are realizing just that this is like they're up, like everybody around this program is supporting them in this endeavor. And like, how could they not have the swag they have? How could they not have this confidence? Because right. you know, there's so much to it. And I think they realize that. And that's huge. Jeff, how do you feel about the matchup itself? Like, what do you what looks like the keys to to beating Iowa State? Well, I don't know. Like, I think the the hard thing is you, you can't really compare to them to anyone we've played. Right. Uh, and so I think, I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be a high scoring, crazy offensive game. Really? That's, that's just what I think. Yeah. Um, because it's, I mean, as much as we want to contain, uh, I, I think we're going to do a solid job defensively. Don't get me wrong, but I think those, they have some really elite scores. And I, like you said, Emily Ryan, is uh that kid's a freaking hooper um and she's she's a very cerebral point guard um and you she's not she's not a kid that you can really like kind of knock off mentally um so we're just gonna have to stay steady defensively try to try to do what we can to kind of plug some of their um some of their stuff up but I think for the most part, I feel like it's going to be a very offensive geared game um, this one. So, but I feel good about the matchup though, because I think, I think, I think everybody's biggest issue when you get this to this time of year, playing a team like Creighton is how do you figure out how to guard us one through five? Right. Um, and so you, you, you look at that four and five position matchup, you know, like, how are, how are you guys – how are you going to stop that when you haven't played against players like this all year? Um, so I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, it is gonna, it's going to be so interesting to see how Iowa State defends Creighton. I'm really, I'm really curious about that. I have no – I don't really know how 
these power conference teams, Matt. And it's, and it's honestly, it's a, it's a reason why, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I'm really curious to see like if Creighton wins this game and they play South Carolina, how that one goes too. Like, I I, believe me, believe me, Creighton's going to have a lot of issues defensively trying to match up with yeah. South Carolina. But, yeah. the, but the same is, but the opposite is also true. I know. And South exactly. Carolina lost to a Missouri team that plays a lot like, you know, that positionless style of Man. basketball that Creighton plays. And I'm like, that yeah. is, that has been in my head all year for some reason, because I love this South Carolina team. And I think they're by far the best team in the country, but they yeah. also lost that game. And I'm very curious to see if someone can create those same kind of problems that they had that night. And that's what makes me think this collision course that the, I know. Like, that the Creighton I, Iowa state winner is on with South Carolina right now. Like if they get past North Carolina, I'm like, man, I kind of wonder if I don't like the Creighton Iowa state winner in that one, just because of the matchup, you know what I'm saying? Right. As crazy as right. that sounds. No, so, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's about to me, Creighton is Creighton to me would be an awful, awful team to scout. Um, in however much time you have, like to, I think to play us multiple times in a season is, is, is hard enough, but we, we run a motion. So it's hard to pick up on the tendencies. It's, you know what I mean? Like kids aren't in the same, like, obviously we have our special plays and stuff like that, but, um, I, we, we do a really good job of mis exposing mismatches. Um, so from a preparation standpoint, I think we always get the upper hand because you have to watch us for a very long time to figure out yep. how you can stop us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then it's still hard to stop us because you still have to have the personnel to be able to do so. And the Especially discipline. If you have a traditional, traditional post. Yeah. So um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I, you know, we talked about this, like you said earlier in the year. Um, I just, I just love, I love that we have a unique team and a unique style of, of offense. And yeah. I think that's going to be, that's going to pay off dividends in, in the tournament. The one key that I think is huge for Creighton on Friday is I think the one thing that, you know, this is crazy because like they, they won both games, you know, and it's hard to pick them apart, but mm-hmm. I thought they, I thought they left a lot of points on the floor. And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. by that, by that, I mean, they got some really good, like, clean cuts to the rim um, some good deep post positions by emma and morgan and so on and and the the entry pass was just off or they missed the layup or something like that i thought that's a lot of points on the floor i don't think they can afford that luxury tomorrow night against iowa state i think they because it's gonna i think iowa state's gonna score i really do i I think creighton's gonna have a tough time um holding them in check because they have so many weapons and because unlike Unlike Iowa, and this isn't like a knock on Caitlin, but she's different than Emily Ryan. Like she's yeah, she's absolutely. more she's gonna try to look for hers first, and she's a brilliant passer and she's an incredible playmaker. But that's more option two, option three. You know, right. she's tr- she's trying to she's trying to light up her defender first. Emily Ryan is looking for her weapons first, and she's yep. really really good at finding them. And also. She's a 40% three-point shooter in her own right. So it's a really tough <laughs> matchup, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, no, I... so that's why I think Creighton really can't afford to leave points on the floor in this matchup because I think Iowa State's going to have an easier time scoring than Iowa had because yeah. of the weapons they have and because of how many right. shoot. I mean, they have so many efficient three-point shooters. It's, it's kind of absurd. Um, 
So I think that's yeah, going to be that's going to be tough yeah, from a defensive out. standpoint for Creighton. And yeah. so I think that they got to be really sharp with those entry passes. They can't turn the ball over on those. They can't yeah. miss cutters. They can't miss bunnies. Every time, yep. every time Iowa State gives you something that, or you or you pick their defense apart and create that for yourself, Creighton has to capitalize on that. They can't leave. They can't leave those bunnies on the floor tomorrow night. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, there's there's a little more room, and and I don't know. I don't know what the what the. I don't know. I don't even know who won this year. Wasn't it, didn't Iowa beat Iowa State this year? No, Iowa State beat them by seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. By seventeen? No, seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I Yeah, the, the I uh, just for them. just for context, they've played five like opponents this year. So Iowa State beat they beat the breaks off Drake. They beat Iowa by seven at home. Who else have they played? South Dakota State, I think they played. Um and Northern like Iowa, and Northern Iowa, they beat by one. So, like, there's some, okay. there's some common yeah. matchups in there. So, well, yeah. see, here's my only thing to that though. And Chef, back me up if, if you if you're feeling this. If not, uh-huh. cut me out. But I just think, to be honest, in that Iowa game, like, I think that obviously, like Iowa being such a good team and like having obviously star power, like obviously, like they were at that level. And sometimes you don't know where you fare in those games. And then I think like ultimately winning that game gives them that confidence that going into this game, I think they know that they can't like leave points on the board, but it also gives them that swag that they're now like, okay, we beat Iowa. Like we're, we're that good. And they're coming into this next game, like not even thinking about like those bunnies and as much as they were, I think in the Iowa game and as much like those little plays, I think they're in this game that they're now like, Hey, we can beat anybody. We, we we beat Iowa. Yeah, we, we should be here, and I think that that's going to lead to them scoring a lot more points. I don't think they'll leave as many on the board this game. Totally uh, and that's that, that's where I'm agreeing with you that it's going to be that shootout. I do think it's going to be, like, high-scoring game because I think both teams – and it's the Sweet 16. Like, come on, both teams have that Sweet 16 confidence, so they're clearly going to come out and, like, have – some t- like, both teams will have crazy confidence, and I just look to our girls, you know, to have that swag and – like you know, execute. So I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm excited. I'm hyped. Sorry. Yeah, my daughter just went off in the background for a second. But um, yeah, I. I. I could not freaking agree more. That that getting those jitters out, especially on that stage, um, and being able to come to more of a neutral site and play. Um, right. Following that, I think that that is going to do a lot of good for us in the areas where we where we did some stuff where that was kind of out of character you know like you said missing some layups some bunnies um so i think i think if any time we're going to come together it's going to all come together it'll be it'll be now i love that and that's the crazy part too is like crazy in the sweet 16 and i don't really know if they've like had their a game offensively yet yeah like they're they they could play better. That's the thing. That's, yeah, like, that's what I mean. Yeah, that yeah. and that's what's crazy to think about. Like, imagine if they play better than last game, and obviously it was like great execution, huge shot from Lauren down the stretch. But yeah, what if they get clicking? Like, that's gonna be Man. that's gonna be a problem. So yeah. wild. Yes. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they can pull one of those off because I don't know if they get beat if that's the case. Because like even the Colorado game, they scored 84, which is pretty efficient, you know, but. Uh-huh. A lot of that was like just because they really did not miss from the free throw line one, and then, right, um, you know, two Colorado played like a weird. I don't know Colorado. Nothing got away from them. Um, they got into like a track meet. And I don't think they realized who they were at some point. 
just because they haven't seen a team like Creighton all year before. So right. that's the other thing that's weird about this too is like it, it's funny listening to Iowa State. I've listened to a lot of their their pregame stuff um, before they left Ames, and then also today it's like uh-huh. they haven't played anybody like Creighton either. <laughs> right. And I just think that's like I, I can't help but think that's some kind of advantage at this point Huge. in the year. If you if you if you if you if everything you're doing to familiarize yourself with tendencies of your opponent is all film based and simulation based and you don't really have uh-huh. a feel like an actual physical feel in your memory of what it, what it's what it feels like to face a team that does this in your recent memory this year I think that's tough cuz I think that's I think that at least takes a little bit of time in game to adjust to because you yeah. gotta, you got to just know what it's like live before you realize what you're dealing with Absolutely. And and sometimes it's almost impossible to to be able to get to that in in a game, in one game. Like the best example is when when we did get the switch for Lauren against Iowa, like how many times has has that kid because it was Susano, right? Yeah, Susano um, Susano was switched on her a lot. Yeah. yeah. How many times did she have to guard a kid like that? Right. And so Oof, when you when you get that switch and you dig on the help, so Tatum faces up, right? They get the switch. Um, Tatum faces up to the basket. Cesano gets gaps off of Lauren and then has to recover. And had she had multiple opportunities to, to guard a player on a switch that can shoot, she would know that she should not gap off. Right. Um, and But it's just a natural tendency for players who just play oh, – who, who played certain types of players, right? So, like – you can tell these kids exactly. I, I guarantee you they're telling them in the in the timeout, do not leave the shooter X, Y, Z. But it doesn't matter because when you when you're tired, when the game's on the line, there's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure, you lean on your tendencies, you lean on your your habits. Um, and so that's where I think Creighton has the biggest advantage is like the the taller kids, the kids that we want to pick on, um, don't have the uh, enough reps. Uh, guarding the kind of players that we have. Um, and so I think that that's where, that's where Flan does a, a, a fantastic job of exposing that. Yeah. You know, what's funny too, is like Iowa and I was, or Iowa state and Creighton haven't played each other at all. Um, maybe there's some kind of crossover there in AAU circuit, but Iowa state has a Butler transfer and I didn't, I don't know why it didn't click for me until today. Um, but they talked about her being available for the game and whatnot and kind of being a, you know, a main factor for Iowa State's post game or whatever. And I was like, why don't I recognize that name? So I went back, I went back in the box score. She played for Butler last year. Uh-huh. And Creighton and Butler only played one time last year because of COVID. And Creighton uh-huh. beat Creighton beat them 88-41. So that's what that so that kid has in her memory what it's like to play Creighton. If her teammates are asking her, <laughs> I'm just like, don't ask that kid because you don't want to know. <laughs> She had like Seriously. no points. She played 20 minutes. They got beat by 50. Like, do not and ask apparently, her. And apparently that, that, scout, like. that scout was worthless. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what do you remember about this matchup? Like, uh, and that was like pre-Emma Morgan breakout, and Lauren Jensen wasn't even on the roster. Like, that was still like Temmy and Rachel and mm-hmm. Tatum show still. So like this team's a lot more potent now and they still was like so like yeah don't yeah, ask that's, don't that's ask her sweet. don't ask don't ask her what that was like don't you will you not know. get a thing from that that's, that's not that's useful scary. information. 
I, I was like, why don't I know that kid's name? What the heck? That she played hilarious. For she played for Butler and transferred to Iowa State. She must be really good. And I was like, let me look up what happened here. I was like, oh, God. Oh, man, that's not good. That's a bad no. idea. Yeah, they're not getting any advantage off that. That's no, hilarious. Sure. Definitely not. Well, I'm uh, that's all I got. You guys want anything? Yeah, anything else on your chest? You want to so, Matt, I'm blaming you if the collision course between South Carolina and Creighton doesn't happen because you you jinxed it. You jinxed it. You brought it up. I mean, dude, if, <laughs> even if it does happen, South Carolina is probably gonna like. I mean, South Carolina is so good, dude. I'm like, I might be talking crazy. Well, I well, I hope <laughs> I good. hope you didn't. I hope you didn't jinx it, and I hope they're flowing by that game. Oh, that's the game <laughs> that we get the crazy Creighton offensive splurge, and they just go bananas because you tried to bring it up in a casual way. But just you know me. I believe in jinx and I'm superstitious. So I'm, I'm blaming you. Okay, fair. I'm, I'm with you, Jordan. I'm the same way. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this right now since we probably won't talk before. <laughs> we probably won't talk on the record before the end of the weekend. If mm. Creighton beats South Carolina, they're playing all their games at the CHI next year. So just like <laughs> yeah. you, you need to text it's Mac time. and be like, hey, you gotta you gotta work your schedule around it's time around Flan's <laughs> home schedule. Cause Oh, I'll make sure. I'll make sure if they I beat South Carolina, the women get the CHI next year. Like that. I will make sure <laughs> I I fly out personally and have a sit down with my okay. man Marcus Blossom yeah. and we will talk about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking like a full 20 game home slate, 17 yeah. game like at the oh, CHI. I'm, Every I'm single thousand percent with you. I'm here for Bill I'll, let's let's start the yes. let's start the yes. position now. Okay. Yeah. If the if they get past Iowa State, we'll start talking about the logistics. And then, like, if they if they beat South Carolina, then we'll we'll forward the proposal to Marcus. Way to way to redeem yourself here. That was good. That was <laughs> welcome. Good. I'll just I'm just I'm just saying that's what we're talking about if it happens. So love it. We're gonna raise the stakes ahead of time. All right. Well, that's enough from us. We got a we got, we had a solid forty five minutes on the men, a solid hour on the women. That's your NCAA tournament. Awesome. Jay's talk. We appreciate Chevelle Santosi chiming in from Greensboro on site. On site. Boots on the ground. Let's go. On site analysis. <laughs> KLE, Eddie, the full fans down there. Um, yeah, enjoy it down there, Chev. Enjoy the game tomorrow for sure. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Coach. We really appreciate you. What is tomorrow? What's up? KLE wants to say go Jays really quick. Just for oh, the- yeah. Oh, please, please. This might be our new intro. Seriously. I, I, oh, God. I don't know what I just did. You guys still there? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're here. good. Yeah. Okay. You want to say it, Mama? Say go Jays. Say go Jays. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's go. This is officially the best right. pile we've ever done. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. All you right. guys take care down there. Have fun. Thanks for your answer. Thank you. Chef. Thank you, guys. Okay. Roll Jays, baby. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you guys listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, for Jordan Scurry, I'm Matt DeMarinas. This has been the Scurry and the Scrub podcast. Talk to you when we talk to you. Peace.